Hey, Praise Chapel Paramount, this is Rob Santiago, and you're about to listen to a sermon I entitled, Raising the Volume of Your Faith. This sermon should challenge you to not keep your faith hidden, but rather showing the world that you believe in Jesus Christ. I hope you're blessed by this. Have a good day. Amen, amen. I want to thank you all for being here this evening, and those for you joining us online, welcome. Uh, I'm excited. I, 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 I have the honor to preach tonight, and I got to be honest with you, I, I take it a sermon by sermon. I think Pastor Isaac can, can kind of relate to this. We take it just sermon by sermon, and as we're in this series, uh, and I'm hearing Pastor Omar speak about faith, and Isaac speak about faith as well, uh, and I'm, I'm just really encouraged because I'm hearing words like temptation. I'm hearing words like discipleship. You know, I'm hearing these words that are just like powerful words, early powerful words in any Christian walk. And, and, and those words are, they're just basic instructional words to a Christian walk, but they hold so much weight for eternity. They hold so much weight to what God wants us to do in life. And so before I get started and before I get going, I want to pray. If you guys would just bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, I ask... That you would not go off my preparation, Lord, but that your Holy Spirit would begin to move across this place and for those watching online. Father, I pray for everybody that is watching and listening, that it would be your words, your spirit, and not my words. Father, I pray that you would use me right now to speak what you want to say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so I'm very excited about tonight because I, I put together a sermon, and it's, it's a new one. It's got, it's got some familiar scripture, but it really talks about turning the volume of your faith up. Because I think that there's a problem in our Christianity in this nation where we accept Christ into our life, but in reality, nothing ever really changes. And when I think about when nothing really changes, it's, it's part of a mentality that Christ talked about called a lukewarm mentality. And when you have that lukewarm mentality, you probably are carrying that mentality because you really don't believe there is a fight. See, we can have an experience with God, but there's really no introduction to you about a fight. And I want to talk about that fight. Because the enemy is running around, he's trying to mess you up, he's trying to tear you down, he's trying to shift your focus to other things, and if you watch the news, you know what I'm talking about, okay, but he tries to, he tries to trick you, he lays down these traps to try to get you off your spiritual compass. In other words, some of you are following a path that God intended for you to follow. But during that time that you're walking on that path, you can be veered left or right. Just because it's paved doesn't mean you're going to go off the pavement, amen? But I'm reminded of this story. It's an old story. I think I heard it from Pastor Omar years ago, and I'm going to steal it, okay? All right, I'm going to read it to you because I need to get it right. But it's about, it. it's an Eskimo, it's called an Eskimo trap, okay? And an Eskimo will hunt, a wolf for its skin to keep warm, okay? It will dip a blade in water, all right, and in blood, okay? And it'll stick it, the Eskimo will stick it straight up in ice, okay, on the ground. So you have this blade sticking up. Eventually, a wolf will approach the knife and begin to cautiously sniff and lick the frozen blood. After believing it is safe, 
the wolf will lick more aggressively. Soon the blade of the knife becomes exposed and it begins to nick the wolf's tongue. Because its tongue has been numbed by the cold of the frozen blood, the wolf is unaware that he is being cut. And the blood, it now tastes its own. Excited at the, as, excited at the prospect of fresh, warm blood, the wolf will hungrily lick the blade all the more. In a short time, the wolf will then grow dizzy and disoriented in a matter of hours. It will die from blood loss, literally, literally drinking itself to death. And I know that's one of those ones, like, why did you say that? That's awful. And I thought about not telling the story, but when I was sitting right there on Sunday morning, that story popped into my head when I thought about temptation. I hadn't heard that story in years, but for whatever reason, that story popped into my head and I wrote it down. And I said, okay, the next time I preach, I want to tell that story because I, I think it's been a long time since I heard it. But the enemy does it just like that. Where you think that you are getting something good. You think you're getting exactly what you want. You're actually killing yourself slowly. Your spiritual life is, is just being drained slowly and you're the one draining it. See, sometimes we give so much credit to the enemy when in reality you're just allowing him to walk through the front door. You're just allowing the enemy to come in and tear up your life, tear up your spiritual life. And, and, and I'm telling you, church, that's a lukewarm mentality because there's going to be temptation. I love the way Pastor Omar, he just, he just really broke it down to us. But you have to run away from it. There has to be some kind of change that is taking place. It's not just living um, one, uh, one service after a service hoping for change. You got to be the change. And one thing I, I learned early on in, in my Christianity is I need to tell people I'm a Christian. And I think, and that's kind of what I want to talk about, turning that volume up. Because some of you walk around here and you're, you're faithful, you come in, but at work you're somebody else. At home in front of your family members on a Saturday afternoon at a party, suddenly you're forgetting, oh, I go to church. Suddenly you're forgetting about the path that God puts you on. And now you're just allowing the enemy to take over Allowing any bit of temptation to come in to kind of steer you away from God's will in your life. And it's concerning me. It's concerning me. And it concerns, it just concerns all pastors in the evangelical community to see that taking place. That we are not in a place where God wants us to be. See, I learned early on is if you're going to be a Christian, let everybody know. Let every single person in your life know that you are following Jesus and to please do not tempt me. I remember I went on a business trip one time and I think I may have told this story before. Whatever, you guys will enjoy it. I went on a business trip one time and I was with a bunch of sales guys and I, and, and I'm a, and I was acting a sales engineer because my company doesn't have any sales engineers. So I was acting as a sales engineer, okay? So I had to wear a suit and everything and kind of pretend like I'm part of the team. It was weird. But they went out to eat. Everyone's ordering alcohol. They're ordering all this stuff, right? And I'm sitting there and they asked me, hey, what, what, you don't want anything to drink? I said, I got, I, got, I got soda right here. I'm good. They're like, no, you don't want anything to drink? And I go, oh, that kind of drink. I said, you know what, man? No, I don't. And they go, well, what's going on? 
I go, uh, well, I don't drink. Well, why? And then I'm like, well, that's really a personal question, you know? Like, <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, what, you know, what, what, what if I responded like, well, I'm an alcoholic, you know? Like, what? It, but I realized, like, well, I'm really getting asked why right now. Why am I getting asked why right now? What, what, God, what, what the heck? Because uh, I'm a Christian. Well, I'm a Christian and I drink. Oh. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, you know, I'm a Christian. Well, I'm a Christian too. I drink. That's, that was the response. I'm like, well, I don't believe in drinking in, in my faith. I just don't believe in it. I believe it can steer you away. I believe it can take you away from what God wants you to do. And you can begin to make bad decisions in your life. Because if you know anything about the chemical of alcohol, it will not allow you to think coherently. You cannot think and make decisions rationally. All right? And when the Bible tells us and Jesus tells me to be of sober mind, I'm, I'm going to be of sober mind. However, at that time, that was not my answer. <laughs> I was extremely tempted. Nobody was around. I was across the other side of the world on an international business trip. Could do whatever I want. And I started to, you know, realize, like, I remember going to the hotel that night saying, why did they ask me why? Why did they ask me why? Why did they ask me why? And I realized, well, and I realized, you know what, maybe they're asking you why because you need to be more, vo you know, vocal about your faith. And I'm telling you, church, when you're vocal about your faith, you start to line things up, it becomes easier. If you, if you start to mess around and, and, and be somebody else outside these church walls, it's not going to work. I can promise you, church, it's not going to work, okay? All right? I've been saved for a very long time. I've played the games. As a matter of fact, I could see the games as, you know, they're happening. Because I've done that. I've lived that. I've, 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 I've played the game. And so I honestly believe that there are people in, this, in, in our evangelical community that are tempting other people in that same manner. That it's not only just, I'm going to turn up my volume of faith, but I'm not going to mention my faith. I'm going to get somebody to come with me and do it. So hey, me, well, me, him, him, and her, we do that too. And now you got this little clique, you got this little clan, and all of a sudden it's reassurance that you're doing the right thing. When you know in your heart you're not doing the right thing. I'm going to read to you a passage of scripture. I got a lot of scripture tonight. I don't know if I'm going to get through all of it. But in John chapter 4 verse 7, this is the story of the woman at the well. It's a story that if you've been saved for a while, you know exactly what story I'm talking about. Uh, but it, it says in verse 7, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? So let's stop right there. I like to stop right off the bat. Just kind of plant ourselves in scripture for just a moment. So wait a minute, Jesus sees this woman getting water at the well. He's already there, okay? And he tells her, can I have a drink? Can I have a drink? Will you give me a drink? Verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who, and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now, I want you to jump down. What ends up taking place, I'm going to, just to save time, okay, what ends up taking place, Jesus begins to minister to this woman in a fashion that a lot of us wouldn't be comfortable with. He begins to tell her about her problems. 
specifically. She goes, oh, my husband would not be happy for me to be talking to you. He's all, your five husbands wouldn't be happy about you, me talking to you. And then he begins to tear her down. He gets to peel back the onion per se. He begins to expose the sin. The woman begins to see the sin. Jesus continues to minister to her. In verse 21, woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet at a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in the truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit. And his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I am the one speaking to you. I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Now verse 28, I want you just to catch this. Then leaving her water jar... The woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Jesus encounters this woman and immediately begins to minister to her. He does not hold back his faith. He begins to talk about the living water that is provided by the Father. He begins to minister to her in detail about her life exposing sin in her life. Immediately this woman is excited. How do I know she's excited? She left the water jug at the well. In other words, the purpose that she was coming for suddenly changed. It suddenly shifted. That moment has now changed the trajectory of her life. The purpose was for her to get water. She found water, but it was living water. It was the water that God wanted her to find. And that water, church, is water that lasts for an eternity. It's living water. It's the truth. It's the word of God. And as she begins to feel Jesus uh, minister to her, she begins to feel the spirit probably come down on her. And she's probably like, wait a minute, what am I feeling? Forget this. I need to go back to the town and I need to tell them everything that this man had told me. Because I truly believe now that he's the Messiah and this town needs to know that the Messiah is here. He's ready to serve his living water. He's ready to just, he's ready to to cure every single disease. He's ready to work his ministry. And that woman had an encounter. See, when you have an encounter, church, it should change everything that is happening to you. Some of us walk away after encountering Jesus like nothing happened. And that's what I'm talking about tonight. We can encounter Jesus and we take that counter for for granted. It never sticks. It doesn't come home with you. Some of you feel an encounter and you're like, wait a minute. Now I'm confused. Why was I crying at the altar? Why did somebody pray for me? Am I really that messed up? No, I'm not. And you walk away from what God is trying to do as he just touched you, as he just ministered to you. You walk away and you say, "Ah, it's just another day. It's another Sunday. And it doesn't change anything. When you have a true encounter with Jesus, it should not be taken for granted. But rather, it should result in a change. But what ends up happening, we closet that experience. We throw it in the closet. 
recently I, I started cleaning out my house. Okay, I started cleaning out my house. And underneath the stairs that I have, I have a, like a storage area underneath the stairs. And that's like a frustrating area. Every time we threw something in there, we just kind of left it out of sight, out of mind. So it grew to be very, very cluttered. And the things that I wanted to get usually were in the back. So I'd see it in the back, I'd be like, heck no, I ain't doing that. It's going to take me a half hour just to get to the back of this closet. i got to pull everything out. All this junk I had put in front of it, but I want that thing back there, but I put all this stuff in front of it. I put all this junk, and when I saw it in the back, I'm like, dang, I really need that. But I don't, I don't want to spend the time pulling all this junk out. You do that with your spirituality, church. You do that with your spirituality sometimes. You say, look, I, Christ, I want to commit to you, but you know, I got this other junk here. I need to get rid of this other junk, and then I'll commit to you. When in reality, you need to go right after it. And sometimes we try to bring salvation on our own time. I wonder if Christ had an option, you know, like if, if he really had an option or if he had, if he had the, the choice saying, hey, don't crucify me yet. I'm not ready to go yet. It didn't happen that way. It didn't happen that way, church. As a matter of fact, he willingly went. See, sometimes we are ashamed of our faith. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not ashamed. Okay, now you're on the hook. But when you have shame, guys, let me tell you something. When you're ashamed of your faith, and you're walking around work and nobody knows you're a Christian. Nobody knows that you're trying to, yeah, you go to church on Sundays because you're, you're a little, you know, a little embarrassed or you, you have some shame because you don't, you don't want to be, you don't want to carry a label. You're worried about what other people think. And, and, and really that shame is, what, is, is exactly what will take you out of the favor and the will of God. It'll just take you right out of it, church. It'll burn you. That shame will burn you. In Isaiah uh, chapter 61, verse 7, it says, Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, there shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. In other words, if I carry the shame, I say, you know what, yeah, I am a Christian. And then they begin to shame me, I'm going to get a double portion. So don't look at it as if, oh, okay, I don't want to be shamed. I, I don't want people to label me. I don't want people to, 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 to you know, to, to say, you're, what kind of church do you go to? You don't represent it well. Or you're worried about, you know, that if you're labeled a Christianity, you have to vote a certain way. Or, or, and everything, you know, you, you think about these labels and they keep you away from what God wants in your life. And I think about, wow, if we could just get past our shame, there's a double portion waiting for us on the other side. So I'm not embarrassed to be a Christian. I'm not embarrassed to say it. Okay, I'm not embarrassed to say it. You shouldn't be embarrassed to say it. You shouldn't be embarrassed to invite somebody to church. You shouldn't feel that shame like, oh, yeah, I got a good church, you know. Uh, you should come check it, check it out, you know. It's, a, it's in Paramount. It's like, barely even gave them the address. You know, there's a website. Give them something, man. Get him in church, man. Why do we want him in church? We want him in church because we want to see him saved. Amen. Amen? We want what's best for people. The next thing is you're afraid. You don't want to turn up your volume of faith because you're afraid. Well, if I turn up my volume of faith, I got to be held accountable. Or I, I got to act a certain way now. I can't hang out with my old friends that I knew in high school. I can't be like this. I... 
Well, it's going to take me away what I, of, of what I want to do with my career. It's going to take me away. It's going, to, it's going to bring so much fear in your life. Well, that's not my plan. My plan is not to be saved. But it's to enjoy church. And we live with this mentality because you're afraid of change. But not only are you afraid of any change, you're afraid of positive change. And you don't realize it because you think you know best. If I, you know, if I just had more money, I'd be happier. Oh, man. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Church, that is a lie from the pit of hell. Well, I can't come to church because so-and-so has practice. I got to take them and this and that. It's like, no. And what I'm trying to tell you, church, it's not bad that your kids play sports or, you know, you, you have other responsibilities. But what I'm really talking about is you're afraid to reposition your life for God. You're afraid, you're afraid to make those necessary adjustments to make sure you don't fall back in your spirituality. Well, those people go to church on Wednesdays, Fridays, Saturdays, there's prayer. They, that church is really busy, so I, I, don't, I don't know. And it's funny, we've, all, we've, been, we've heard it all. We're too busy. We're not busy enough. There's not enough ministries. We've heard it all. We've heard it all, church. I'm serious. We've heard it all. And, and, and I'll be honest with you, you're just, you're just living excuse after excuse of why you can't do the will of God in your life. Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. We worry about everything else but our spirituality sometimes. And, 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 and that's, what, that's what scares me the most, is that we're not really living for the things that are important. And, and that is turning up the volume of faith. Why do we want to turn up the volume of faith? It's simple. To avoid temptation. To let everybody know what's, what, what your position is in life. See, it's not a Democrat or Republican label. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. But the news is going to tell you, you have to be one of those two on the side of the aisle. And that frustrates me, especially in the evangelical community. Because it begins to tear friendships apart. Brothers and sisters apart. When in reality is, no, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Whatever political affiliation, that's, that's down the road. That's fourth. Family next. Everything else, that's down the road. But some people are like, no, I'm political, man. I, I live for this. Yeah, and I'm going to live by this label. It's like, wow, you're going to live by a label that CNN told you. That's great. You're going to trust all those guys on there on TV all the time. That's awesome. The other thing that happens is you begin, you begin to hold on to your pride and say, you know what? I know more than those guys up there. I know more about spiritual than those guys. I've read my Bible. And then your pride sets right in. Oh, you know that brother? I've been in church longer than he has. Oh, I read my Bible more than he does. Like anybody knows that. Like you can know that, right? It's like you begin, you have this pride because you don't want to be judged. You don't want to be held accountable. So therefore you have this shield up and it's pride because you don't want accountability in your life. Let me tell you something. Accountability is important. It's important. I know that there's sometimes there's relationships where a brother tries to minister to another brother, okay? Or sister to sister. Suddenly, that relationship kind of shifts. Where they were really good friends and they're trying to hold each other accountable, it begins to shift. And then all of a sudden, it just becomes an acquaintance. Because one did not want accountability. I've seen it happen in the church. See, when a brother calls you or texts you, where are you? How are you doing? Where, where are you at? Why aren't you in church? 
Put the pride aside. Because that brother or sister is trying to minister to you. That brother or sister cares about you. All your other friends at work can care less where you're at. But that brother and sister is just checking up on you. I've seen people get upset. Like, don't worry about me. I'm fine. It's like, oh, sorry. You got it all together. Yeah, okay. You got it. You're all successful. Leave the keys to your Lambo on my counter. You got it all together. Got it. All right. You, yeah. And again, it's about spirituality. Has nothing to do what degree you have. Has nothing to do with the title you have. It has nothing to do with that. It's literally just saying, I just want to hold this person accountable. You know what the proper response to something like that would be? I'm doing good, but to be honest, I could be doing better. There's nothing wrong with saying that, church, because that opens the door. Be honest with yourself. You know, I could be doing better. I'm doing good right now, but I could be doing better. You know, I'm a little down in my faith. I stumbled a little bit. Be open and honest. One of the things the enemy wants you to do with your sin is to hide it. So if you're running around and you have this sin and you're hiding it, you're, you're playing right into the enemy's trap. And, and some of you are doing that and you're not following a thing that God told you to follow. So you're actually serving Satan himself at that point. And you could be sitting in church doing that. I've seen it. Where people want to hold on to it. You, you, you know, you're shooting up on the side or you're drinking a lot or you're, you know, and you're not telling anybody, you're not getting any help. When in reality, that's what the church community is for. It's for help. I had a conversation with my boss earlier today. I'm going to share this with you. And I had told him, you know, um, it's important that I stay close to my church. I told him that today. He knows that. He already, he already knows that, okay? Uh, because I, I'm, I'm kind of... I'll just share it with everybody because you could pray for me anyways. You know, I got no shame. I'm trying to buy a house, trying to look for a house. And I told him, look, I, I want to be somewhere close to my church. I need to be close to my church. And he's like, and he asked me, well, why? And again, I'm like, why is he asking why? I don't want to get into this right now. Right? Literally, this message is already written. And I said, I said well, I, the reason why is, is because... Um, it's very important to me that I stay next to my church community and my church family. Uh, if I don't, I, I, I'm afraid, you know, I'm afraid something could happen or it can impact me in a negative way. I've got to make sure I'm not too far away from my church. Yeah, and I don't say that to, to, to be prideful or anything like that, church. I'm saying that as a life lesson. When I started to position and posture myself, in this manner, I realized that God started to have a huge favor on me. That I was now learning things I never thought I'd learned before. That my life started to change. My family life was much better. My career started to become a blessing. And I realized it's because of one thing. It's just because I put God first. And, and if you do that, see, the enemy is going to try to get you to, to not do that. He's going to try to get you to posture into some other position going to try to tempt you into some other area and and then you're what you're doing is is now you're just positioning yourself for the enemy not for God if there's a friend that is keeping you away from church you cut that friend off if there's a family member that's making fun of you just remember that double portion that's coming if there is someone telling you or your spouse is 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 tearing you down you grab their hand you pray together you say let's go to church because I love you and I love us you say something like that to each other 
Because I'm telling you, church, the enemy is going to try to distract you in so many different ways to keep you away from here, our innocent church. (laughs) You know, I'm like, oh, the enemy really, you know, tears people away from our church. It's like, we just love everybody and we love each other. It's like, we have such a good church. I, I feel, I truly feel that. And it's you guys. It has nothing to do with us. It's you guys. You guys make up the church. You are the body of Christ. There are people sitting in these pews that could save your life. Because of Jesus, amen? There's so much experience in this room that if we just allow ourselves to be accountable to it, we can learn so much. We can save so many lives. We can save so many souls right here in this building because of the experience that's sitting here right now. So turn your volume of faith up, amen? Amen. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, it says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp or put it under a basket, but on a stand. It gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. God wants to put you on a stand. He, want, he wants your light to shine. He wants you to be an example. But you can't do that when you just mute yourself and you mute your faith and you throw it in the closet. You say, forget about it, man. I'm done with it. You may be feeling like you're giving up and you're like, I'm giving up, man. It's too hard. That's probably because you didn't position yourself correctly. Sometimes you need to cut some things out. So how do we move forward? Posture yourself. Change your position. Let everyone know you're a Christian. Every single person. Everyone in your phone book, let them know. Shout his name on Facebook. Shout his name on Instagram. Let everyone know, hey, I'm saved. Amen. You know, I, I struggled with that when I was in high school. I had a hard time with that. I started to realize, dude, we're mean. Me and my friends, we were mean. We're mean people. Verbally mean. Like verbally abusive to people, tearing people down all the time. Then I realized, wow, dude, we're really punks. And then when I got saved, I was like, yeah, you know, I was at church. You're at church. Yeah, I was at church. You're an idiot. Why are you at church? Jeez, man, take it easy. I just went to church. Well, that's really dumb. Why, why is that dumb? And then one guy's like, hey, it's okay you went to church. It's okay you went to church. You know, it's like, well, I was like, was this a mistake? And then they would call me, right? They call me Friday night, Saturday night. What are you doing? What's up? It's your turn to drive. What do you mean it's my turn to drive? Where are we going? We're going to go to this party. Like, no, nah, I'm good. Dude, why are you a sissy? Come on. Pick us up, man. Like, dude, that's not, I don't want to drive. He's like, well, are you going to go? Like, no, I'm not going to go. And I remember they were so mean to me. And I remember years later, fast forward, five, six years later, social media begins to pick up. So you start finding your old friends. I remember I connected with one of them, and one of them is a Christian now. And then you realize, dude, you're a Christian? Like, yeah, you know, I, after, remember we used to hang out, and you said you were a Christian, and you stopped hanging out with us? I understand now. I go, oh, now you get it. He's like, yeah. I'll go, what church you go to? He starts telling me the church, right? And by the way, if you're a Christian, you should have a church. Those of you watching online, you Christian, you should have a church. Don't do this online stuff only. Don't do that. You should have a church. You should have some accountability in your life. And you should know that pastor's name and they should know your name. Okay? That's positioning yourself. Start to... Tell everybody, I I got another scripture here. 
And, I, and, I, and it has another story, and I'm running out of time, but I want to tell it. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 9, it says, Because of his great love for us, God, who is, who is rich in his mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms of Christ Jesus. He seated us with him. He sat us right next to him. I started to think about this verse in detail. Like, why would Christ want me to sit next to him in this type of a setting? Why would Christ want me right next to him? Me of all people. As the verse started, as the word started ministering to me, I realized that it's because he loves us. It's because it's not about title. At one time, after, I think it was like a men's discipleship or something, it was years ago. Pastor Omar says, hey, we're going to go to this place, this pizza place. You going to come? And I looked at him like, you want me to go? And he goes, yeah, come. I'm like, all right, yeah, I'll go. And it was late. It was like 10 p.m. You got to go work the next day. You know, so you're thinking about that. Like, well, I really got to go to work. And finding every excuse as I'm driving over there not to go. But I already committed to going. So I, I remember I walked in. This place is packed. Because everyone had gotten out of church. It wasn't too far from the church. And I remember there wasn't like a whole lot of seating. And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go. And then a pastor goes, waves it in. I'm like, oh, there's a seat right there. All right, cool. <laughs> Sat down. I'm literally at a, at a table with all pastors. All pastors. I'm not a pastor at this time. I was barely a leader. Barely hanging on in life. Barely hanging on in my spirituality. I can't tell you, man, the people at that table, I was like, every single one of these people have ministered to me. And I could go around the table and I'm like, I remember that sermon. I remember that sermon. And I'm trying, to, I'm, I'm like, I'm literally seated at this table and I should not be here. And one pastor leans over, he goes, hey, you're not supposed to be here. <laughs> literally what I was thinking and he, he just laughs and he chuckles and he goes, when is it your turn? Wow. Fast forward, I'm an assistant pastor now. At the time, I felt, like, I felt like I was not worthy to be seated at that table. You know, I felt like I was not worthy. Then I started to think, I started to think, and I, as, I, as, as I remember and I reflected on this story, I started to think, how far, you know, and everything that's happened in between then. And God spoke to me and he said, to tell you this, those of you sitting there, don't be afraid to show your discipline that made you a disciple. You know, I, I, I told my boss today, I'm at church like four times a week. I got to be close to it. And I realized, dude, you're at church four times a week. What do you do? Like sometimes four times a week. I'm like, what the heck? Where, where did my life go? <laughs> and I'm like, what a beautiful thing. What a beautiful thing to make sure that you're in the house of God. Every single opportunity you can get. Don't be afraid to show that discipline that brought you to being a disciple of Christ. If you want to tell somebody, where were you on Saturday morning? Well, I was at prayer. Where were you on Friday night? I was at Connect Group. Where were you on Wednesday? I was at church service, midweek. What about Sunday? 
I was at church. What about 11 a.m.? Still at church. Don't be afraid to say that. Well, it's Miho's birthday at 10 a.m. on Sunday. I got to be at church. I got to be at church. You know I go to church. You should have made it for one or two. You fight it. Postpone that birthday party. I got to be at church. I can't leave church. I'm a leader. I can't leave church. I'm a disciple. I can't leave church. I think so many times, like, well, you know, I got to get my oil change. I can't come today. <laughs> Hold on. Wait a second. You got to get an oil change so you can't be at church. Well, yeah, I got to get it. I remember one time, because one guy told me I had to get my smog check. It was due tomorrow. I mean, you better pay that late fee and show up to church. That's your fault. Get yourself in church. I'll watch it online. No, get in church. Stop messing around with the computer and trying to pretend you're online. My favorite, you know my most frustrating thing, and I tell Isaac this, man. I said, I'm just going to be honest with you guys. You know, we do, we do the online thing, and you know, we're, do, we're doing Zoom meetings and stuff, and, and people are like walking around in the grocery store. <laughs> what on earth? And you mean to tell me you're not doing that when, when the service is on? You mean to tell me you're not, you don't think you expect me to believe you're not doing that when the service is on. There's one thing I said at, at PCBI, I'm going to say it here. You want to get the most out of, out of your spirituality? You set the time aside. Stop messing around. Stop messing around. I remember one time I told my boss, hey, can I, uh, and I was working at Big Five, Big Five Sporting Goods. I was, I was in college, you know, just trying to have enough money for top ramen. Those of you know what I'm talking about. Right? And I remember I told my boss, like, hey, uh, there's this conference, and I really want to go, but it's at, it's at 7 p.m. He goes, well, sorry, we need you here. I said, listen, man, I, I really need to go. He's like, well, it's not a family event. And I'm like, I, I got, I'm looking at him, I'm like, dude, how am I going to get out of this? Because I'm signed up to Usher. <laughs> you know, like, I got ministry, I, I got to be there. I'm signed up to do the kids, you know, like on this day, like how am I going to make it, right? And I told him, I said, I'm going to be honest with you guys, can we go to lunch? He's like, yeah, yeah. I said, I'm going to buy you lunch. He's like, okay. So I took him to lunch. We go to Carl's Jr. That's where he wanted to go. We go to Carl's Jr. and I'm sitting there, sitting down eating at Carl's Jr. And I remember telling him, I go, hey, uh, I'll work the morning shift. I'll work, I'll come in after whatever you need. I need to go to church. I need to go to this conference. And he goes, it's really that serious? Because it's not a family thing. And I go, I understand where your priorities lie, but my priorities are a little different. I begin to minister to him and tell him about my church. I begin to tell him about that. See, when you don't, when you have your volume all the way down on your faith, people aren't going to take you seriously when you really need it. They're not going to take you seriously. You're not going to win those battles. Sometimes you have to do that. You know, and I learned that early, early on. Thank God I learned it, you know, and, and I started to realize things become easy the moment you get people on your side. You know, the moment you get people on your side, it's, it's you know, it becomes easier. And I want to tell you this, church, you're surrounded by a war. You're surrounded by opposition. Plato, the great Plato, the great philosopher says, only the dead have seen the end of war. You're not dead. You haven't seen the end of war. 
It's still happening right now, right for your soul. The enemy's gonna start shooting things your way and you need to have a mentality of warfare. If you don't have the mentality of warfare, if you're not willing to fight, to posture yourself in your spirituality, to line things up so you could take this serious in your life, you're going to lose the war. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3-4, it says, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may be pleased with him who enlisted him as a soldier. You are to please Jesus, amen? That is part of the warfare. I remember when Jesus was being tempted, the enemy started to test him in the wilderness. And you know what Jesus did? He quoted three scriptures. But check this out, church. He didn't only quote, he quoted those three scriptures. And the Bible made it very clear that Jesus was alone being tempted. But after Jesus was tempted, guess what happens? It said, then the devil left him and angels came and attended to him. In other words, the angels, I asked myself, why didn't the angels come and get rid of the devil? Like, just get him out of the way. This is Jesus. This is the son of God. I'm going to tell you this, because the father wants to refine you. He wants to refine you. He wants to see your faith. He wants you to exercise it. Church, you have to exercise it. You have to work it. And if you're not going into battle every day with your Bible, your prayers, if you're not saying, God, I need you right now. God, I need you to come into my, into my job. I need you surrounding me. Lord, I'm going to be tempted today. I need you right here, right now. It's critical that you begin to expand on your spiritual capacity. Because if you're just going to try to do the same thing you did two weeks ago, you're going to be stuck in the same place two weeks from now. You have to really begin to posture yourself, church. Your father is expecting you to fight. He's given you the ammo. He's given you the word. It's a living text. Amen. If I can have the worship team come up. I want us to begin to reflect on what God has done in your life. For those of you that are watching online and those of you that are here, I want to give you an opportunity right now to reposition yourself. Reposture yourself. Because I think... A lot of us have gotten away, especially with everything that's going on with uh, the pandemic, and it shifted us a little bit. Some of us are still fighting it. You know, I think about um, how people say, I watch the news, and people say the economy is going to be affected six months from now. It's going to be, we're not going to get out of this until like five years from now, or four years from now, or the next presidency. That's how long it's going to take to recover. That's what you're hearing right now. It's going to take long to recover. It's like that with your spirituality. For some of you, you've done some damage. It's going to take a while to recover. So don't wait. Don't wait to find a perfect opportunity. Some of you may be feeling shame to even come up to an altar and accept Christ in your life. I, right now, I want to give you that opportunity. In 1 Peter chapter 2, we read this last night in PCBI, and it, it was touching a lot of people. It was touching me, too. It says this, when they, hurled, when they hurled their insults at him, talking about Jesus, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins 
in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. You have to understand, church, that there is a spiritual warfare for your life. The enemy doesn't want you in church. He doesn't want you to come back. He's going to distract you. And if I can get you to just understand that he's going to use sin to get you to fall away from Jesus, if I can get you to understand that I know that you can come here and defeat it tonight. So we got some business to take care of. If you are out there and you're saying, you know what, Rob, I don't know Jesus or I've fallen away from Jesus and, I want to re- and you want to rededicate your life, I want you just to lift your hand. Lift your hand. I see that hand, brother. I see that hand. You could put it down. Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else want to join this hand? This is why we preach. Amen. I see that hand, brother. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Is there anyone else that wants to join these two brave souls? Amen. I see that hand, sis. Anyone else want to join these three brave souls? Don't pass up the opportunity, church. Jesus changed my life. I'm a walking example of that. I don't know where I would be without Jesus. I'd probably be chasing something that I shouldn't be chasing, doing something I shouldn't be doing. But it was because of his teachings and his salvation that I am saved. Anyone else want to join these hands? Don't pass up the opportunity to rededicate your life. There's a a battle going on for your life, church. There's a a battle going on that wants to take you away from Jesus and what he wants in your life. Amen. If you raise your hand, could you just look up at me? Do you mean that? Do you mean that, brother? Do you mean that? I want you guys to come up front. Come up front. If we can get some ushers right now to just come around and pray with them. We're not here to embarrass you, amen. We're here to honor you. We're a bunch of soldiers for Christ here. And we're, we're, we have some new soldiers here right now, amen. Amen. Why don't you just pray with them, amen. For those of you that are online, I want, and you want to say the sinner's prayer, you want, you want salvation in your life, I want you just to close your eyes and lift your hands right now. For those of you that are watching online, say, Jesus, come into my life. I believe that you died and rose from the grave. I believe that you are the Son of God. Change my life. Forgive me of my sins, Lord, and protect me from the enemy. If you said that prayer out there, just go ahead and put it in chat. We'll give you some information. We want to connect with you. Amen. For those of you that may have said, you know what, Rob, I'm I'm saved. I'm good. But I, I didn't talk about salvation completely the whole time. I talked about raising the volume of your faith. If you're out there right now and you say, you know what, Rob, I could do a better job. I could raise the volume of my faith. I want you to come to the front. If this message ministered to you in any way, shape, or form, I want you to come up to the front. Begin to posture yourself. Talk to Jesus. Think about what you need to do. What are your next steps to grow in your spiritual life? What do you have to do? How do you have to posture yourself? Begin to ask God, what are your expectations of me during this time of prayer and worship? Begin to reflect on them, church. Begin to reflect on them.
Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.